This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 178. Still relishing my victory this weekend, my name is Nick Howell. And feeling like I dropped the soap in the shower, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome... (laughs) Yes. Welcome to our recap episode for TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series, which just went down this last weekend, Nick. And we are still recovering. I'm still recovering from my devastating loss in the Pickums. Uh, there was some alcohol consumed during this broadcast, Nick. As, as I believe it. I, uh, if uh, you feel excuse me for one second, I need to do something. <clears throat> oh, Lord. Finally, oh, the Nick has come back to the winner's circle. Yes, of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Thank you very much to all of our patrons that participated in the, is it quad annual? What do you, how do you say quad annual? Big four? four I don't know. Thank you all for playing. It was fantastic. This is why we can't let him win, ladies and gentlemen, is because of things like this. This is why, it sh- this is why we're glad it doesn't happen more than it does. But that being said... We'll Esme coined it this weekend, by the way. She said, it, uh, what was it? The, it's, the, it's the new BWO, BWO solstice. <laughs> yeah, yes. The once time, one time yeah. during the year where a dog once shines a on a dog's ass. Yep. The sun shines on a dog's ass. And Nick finally wins a pay-per-view. Uh, and it's, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all the details of that later on in the show because we're going to break all that down. We, we, have, we are going to also anoint a new BWO Patron Pickham's champ champion. That's right. The title did indeed change hands on this pay-per-view. We'll get into that later on in the show. But Nick, let's not dawdle. Let's get into this. Let's do some housekeeping and then let's talk about the two big shows this weekend. Yes, guys, make sure you come and hang out in the Facebook discussion group with us. Just go to Facebook, search for Busted Wide Open, drop a like on our page, and send us a join request to get into the group. It was a lot of fun this weekend because the first thing you'll find at the top of the page is a link to our Discord server, and boy, was that thing popping all weekend. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining and uh, coming in and joining us. There were folks coming in from Twitter 
uh, from the show directly, not even in the Facebook group that were in uh, the Discord chats this weekend for TakeOver and it was fun. Survivor Series. It was awesome. Awesome if you were there time. and you're listening to this, thank you guys so much. Thank yes. you. It was a blast. You guys make it fun. So I have more fun the more people that are in there and interacting. So thank you guys very much. Uh, you make sure you want to get in there for uh, the Fallout shows all throughout the week as well, including, you know, we've got Ring of Honor Final Battle coming up. we got all kinds of stuff coming up. we got uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom coming up in about a month. We've got Ooh. dedicated channels for them, and you're going to be watching all of this stuff. So make sure you come hang out in our Discord community with the rest of the phenomenal ones. You can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash Busted Wide Open every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, right here on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We are on the race to 1,000 subscribers. We are mm. just shy of the halfway mark, guys. It's Thank happening. you very much. Shout out to the boys at Going In Raw. Uh, what Phenomenal. culture, guys? Absolutely. Uh, you know, all of that stuff has absolutely helped. Uh, thank you for all the uh, the shout outs and everything throughout the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, so make sure you subscribe and jingle that little bell so you know that we are going live and we put up new videos, which we've started doing uh, more and more as some of them got some attention last week. Uh. Mr. Ian had to <laughs> rant about something. You know, <clears throat> we'll leave it at that. What else is new? <laughs> all right, last but certainly not least, to all of our patrons, thank you very much. You guys rock. You guys are our support system. You are the fuel that runs this machine that is the Busted Wide Open podcast. And if you'd like to get in on that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get the ability to ask listener questions for our patron mailbag episode that we do every Saturday. Uh, you can get some sweet swag, uh, show notes, bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff at patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, I, I've got a lot of gloating to do, so I, I don't know if we want to waste any more time with this housekeeping mumbo-jumbo. Well, the um, housekeeping is never a waste of time, Nick, but yes, there's some gloating you need to get to. But first, we have to talk about my victory this weekend and discuss TakeOver War Games. Yeah, we'll, we'll warm everybody up. With with yeah. that one, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. I want to talk about the build to war games because okay, it's it's been one of those things that I the last month of WWE has been fantastic, and I I, I keep asking myself, is this because everybody got held up? Is this because everybody got held up at Crown Jewel and we've seen all of this back and forth? Is it tr was that the thing? Was that the inflection point that triggered uh, all of this invasion of NXT happening? And we'll talk about more of that when we get to Survivor Series because that's what it had more impact on. But it's I also mean, affected Takeover in a big way. It has, and I think not entirely positively. I think that uh, you know of the four matches we had on the main card and the one undercard, the only ones that had any build were the actual War Games matches, and even those I felt were a little bit thin on build. The other matches, uh, you know, Finn Balor and Matt Riddle, and then the three-way Pete Dunne, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest. We all we had build for all those over multiple weeks, but I felt like they really got such short shrift compared to the build towards Survivor Series. Sure. Now that's fine because, as you said, the Survivor Series build, in hindsight, looking back at it in totality, now that we can, as you said, it was really strong. And whether or not that was their intention, whether or not the pace of that build and how it was laid out was the original intention or if they just, you know, stumbled into greatness uh, kind of backwards due to the crown jewel incident, due to just the the 
the nature of, of how they decided to create that 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 angle, uh, we will probably never know, at least not for a long time, unless someone decides to come out and talk about how exactly that all went down, it whether never it happened. was haphazard, whether it was haphazard or whether it was intentional for it to be laid out that way. Um, it worked. I think the only thing that we really you know consistently complained about was where are the stakes? Is this enough stakes to have it be brand supremacy or is that kind of a thin premise? Um, you know, we're recording this show after having seen the Fallout Raw afterwards. Yeah. And I think that they've actually, they actually did a pretty good job of making us feel like, the, you know, whether or not we see benefits to this quote unquote brand supremacy thing that they're pushing, the superstars put value on it yeah. and the characters put value on it. Where there is something that, like personal pride and, you know, brand pride, however you, however you want to call it, they put value on that. And, uh, you know, as far as the story goes, if you have these characters that you're invested in valuing something, it then by extension makes you value that thing. So I think that them not just letting it go the day after, which they have done in years past, where after Survivor Series, it's like pfft, nothing happened, they, right. and there's no fallout from it. This year, there was fallout, at least on that first show. We'll see what happens on SmackDown. Um, we'll see what happens on NXT. But at least as far as Raw was concerned, there were repercussions to how things went down in Survivor Series. That actually makes the bill stronger because it meant that there were uh, there was value on that brand supremacy uh, who, who, you know, nonsense that they were pitching at us. So in that sense, I really do look back and say that it was a strong build, and we'll never really know if it was because of the the kind of hot shotting they had to do because of the crown jewel incident or not yeah. uh, whatever it was it I, I have out. this weird hope that uh vince called triple h and says hey pal i need a favor you know can i i i, 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 I like wild, i know i'll go get nxt and i'll i'll save the day and triple I, I think we all kind of hope that that's what happened but i i don't know that that's what we don't know that right. that's what happened and frankly no, we're we probably don't. never going to know no. that calm that, down what Brad actually Shepherd. happened jesus we don't know that <laughs> we don't know that's what happened at all don't be making stuff up to try and get yourself in the news. Okay. Um, okay. okay, so let's let's start off talking about TakeOver here, specifically the fact that they tried some new production things, at least in the opening. We had, instead of the commentators being at the typical commentary desk on the other side from the, the ramp, we had them at the top of the ramp, uh, all three of them, which was... And, then, and their mics were live in the house. So you could all you could hear them echoing in the crowd and like getting kind of thrown off at the sound of their own voices. Yeah. Was did this did this work for you? What were the pros and cons of this? Because I I see what they were going for, but I don't know if they they quite pulled it off. Yeah, I don't know what this was supposed to be. Like if you watch I'm I'm seeing influences of mainstream sports make its way into uh professional wrestling. So normally when you would have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling a game, oh, it's going to be up in the skybox. Oh, oh. First of all, it's going to suck because it's, yeah. I, I, I can't take any more Joe Buck. Um, but it, at oh. the same time, uh, I'm seeing influences there that they're doing things. They're trying to do sideline reporting. Uh, they're having Charlie get in the ring, for example, to do things, or Kayla or somebody like that, trying to do some of those sorts of things. And I don't know if this was one, an attempt to try to do one of those things if it was only for the opening of the show or if it was for sort of interludes between matches and stuff like that. Listen, you've been doing the commentary desk for 30 years. Don't mess up stuff that ain't broke. 
It's fine if you want to move it up to the top of the ramp off to the side like you're doing on the main roster stuff, but uh, this was a little awkward. I, I give you that. And either that or they didn't have the audio tuned in or they weren't wearing monitors properly to tune out what the, the PA in the, in the arena doing all of that. So. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. It, it, it did, it did, it did kind of hamper their presentation also because the crowd was confused by it as well. Um, but you know, there were some aspects that, that they did pull off Pat McAfee for mugging and hyping everybody up. And then at the end of the whole segment, running into the crowd and hyping them up, I thought was a good idea. Um, again, the whole thing I think was an interesting experiment. I think they could go somewhere with it. I don't know how well they pulled it off here. It definitely seemed like, uh, the first time of them trying to do something and, and going for something radically different, uh, it partly worked and it partly different. It yeah. partly didn't. Uh, that being said, I can we throw out some love to Alicia Taylor or Alicia Warrington? Oh, yeah. uh, can we, dude? If there's anybody I want to hear say war games besides William Regal, it's her. And if you didn't know, she is actually in a death metal band. And if you can't tell from the way that she said war games, it was that's that's how you know. It was fantastic. I threw some love on Twitter as well because Absolutely. she's awesome. She's awesome. So much, much love, Alicia Taylor. And she was up there doing stuff on Survivor Series too. So hopefully Vince got a good look at her or a good listen to her and was like, huh, who is that pal? Where have you been hiding her from me? Yeah. She it's was the, great. It's the metal version of, uh, of Lillian. It's the, like the polar opposite of Lillian. Oh, Oh, where, where are my nipple flaps? Where are my nipple oh, flaps? Okay, okay, let's not do the nipples right, thing again let's, this week. Let's start. Let's stop. Yes, no more. No more talking about nipples. Let's instead talk about dongs. And the pre-show match between Angel Garza and uh, Swerve Scott got underway. This was not really announced except for like right before the show. Uh, but yes, Angel Garza and Swerve Scott in this match. We did get this in in, in time to make our pickums on this. Nick, you thought Swerve Scott was pulling this off. I said Angel Garza is gonna they're gonna make him look strong again because yeah. there's a continuing thing with him and Leo Rush. Um, ultimately I was right about that. You are they did want to keep him strong, and they are continuing a program with him and Leo Rush. They're pushing the fact that he ripped off his pants in front of Leo Rush's wife and kids in the audience during their title match, and that there was no definitive finish to that match because although Leo did pin him, Garza had his feet in the ropes. So that's an ongoing storyline, and I'm all about that. Keep Garza in the title picture. Uh, but Swerve Scott, you picked him because you thought he deserved to win, and I I agree with you. He does, but he lost again here. Is he losing too much? What's their What's their What are they What are they doing with him? So far, he's looked pretty strong in defeat in the matches that he's been in, and they've been a very they, true. They've very been true. a um uh, a confluence of of various tag formations and triple threats and things like that. So it's not been that big of a deal to me that he's lost the times that he has i think this was probably eh, this was probably his first like signature solo match no die jack the one he had with die jack i think was a was a fantastic uh, that's fair one. yeah okay yeah remember but he I mean, lost he lost and he looked really looked strong losing there too as yeah. you as you said so i i th i'm not uh, no i this guy's got a huge future <laughs> keep him okay. going so you, I, I don't think he's going to be in the cruiserweights though that's the difference I think he's going to he be absolutely. up there for the North American and the no. uh, the other titles. Only only if ACH saves Cedric Alexander will Swerve Scott go up to the main of main roster. Uh, but yeah, so that was it. But at least this was an entertaining match. I think it was a worthy pre-show match. Uh, once again, Angel Garza and Swerve Scott proving that they are fantastic mm. wrestlers. Very entertaining. 
Very skillful. Awesome match. But then we got to the main card, and we went to War Games. <sighs> Starting over the Women's War Games match. Can I talk about the production for a second, and just the air raid horns and the sirens uh, and the, just every, the cage lowering with the spotlights on it? And Oh, my mist. God. We were lucky it's enough so to have five or six of you guys there this weekend in Chicago at the Allstate. And thank you for all the pictures and the and the comments and all that kind of stuff and letting us know what the experience was like there in the arena. I can only imagine what that was like as that cage was getting lowered and all that noise and lights and everything was going off. It looked incredible on TV. Yeah, it did. Are we still talking about Angel Garza, or are we talking about the War Games match? Uh, the War Games match, no. Oh, I thought I've you said something looked, no. looking incredible on TV. No. Looked, uh, looked, okay. No. Well, it looked until very they start big. playing the, the air raid the, the cage, siren. The cage for, looked very big. For, for, well, until the air raid start, horns, yeah. Yeah, until they start playing that for Garza Dong. Uh, <laughs> as a warning. Off his pants when he rips his pants off. All right, we're getting carried away there. Good Lord. Uh, yes, yeah, so we had Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, Kaylee Ray, UK Women's Champ, and Rhea, uh, versus Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, uh, Tegan Knox, and Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai because Mia Yim got attacked backstage before this all went down, before the show, and Rhea Ripley turned to Dakota Kai, who was looking distraught next to her as Mia was being loaded into the ambulance, and said, that's it, you're in. So she was. Dakota Kai was in. Uh, until a point, because as the War Games match went on and things were going down, Dakota Kai was the third person from Team Rhea to come in. Only she didn't come in. She turned around and brutally turned on Tegan Knox, slamming her one of her injured legs in the cage door, in the, the, the holding tank door, multiple times before storming off. Dakota Kai, heel turn, confirmed. <sighs> My goodness, thoughts, Nick. Was this predictable was it what you wanted to see is this a good is the right direction for dakota kai i don't know what the right direction is for dakota kai she's been back like seven minutes so i'm not sure what we haven't seen her in a year and you know i wish it would have been how, how do i want to say this it feels like they couldn't figure out what to do with her as a face so let's try this it, it doesn't feel like it, it Fine. If that's the case, so be it. If they had known that this was going to be the case and that this was what they were going to do, I would have done it on her return and built it around that. It, it makes it interesting that it happened during the War Games match. Um, yeah. It made it an interesting dynamic around that sort of thing. And then we had more shenaniganry happening at the Survivor Series match the next night. So it felt like a bit much, all to be happening like that. I don't know if that's the right thing for Dakota Kai to be determined tomorrow night on NXT. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm sure we're going to get a speech. I'm sure we're going to get a promo about yeah. how we all suck and you know I'm tired of this and yada yada the Healy stuff that we're not used to. Uh, I, but, I'm surprised you're this down on it. To be honest with you, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, it's fine. It, it, we'll see what happens. Spe skeptically well, optimistic. But here's the thing. Okay, well I'm glad that you're at least skeptically optimistic because I'm just purely optimistic about this. First of all, I was starting to feel like Dakota Kai, especially when she came back, was going to be getting, you know, third or fourth spot. You have Tegan Knox who's back. She's the shiny, happy, go get them, perky, you know, chick. You've got Candice LeRae. She's the smiley, happy, bright colors, you know, go get them chick. Yeah. And you have Dakota Kai who's the smiley, happy, perky, eh, go get them chick. You can't have that many of them. And, you know, Tegan Knox has got the whole, like, came back from injury story. Uh, she's never really had a chance to do anything. Candice LeRae is now, I think, established as like the babiest of, of baby faces of the women's division. 
Uh, so where did Dakota Kai fall? She was just, she was nowhere. So we needed to have someone who was, you know, another, another heel that wasn't psycho evil like Io Shirai or, you know, monstrous heel like Shayna Baszler or sassy heel like uh, Bianca Belair. Now you can have Dakota Kai and she's like the weaselly heel, the one who thinks that she's a good guy. Whatever. I'm curious to see what their angle is that they take on it. You know, me too. it's basically finding a new place for her to fit in where she's going to stand out. To me, that's smart booking. That's smart handling of your talent. Don't make multiple people be the same thing. Like on the main roster, you have Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, um, Ricochet, and they're all just kind of like bland, babyface superhero number one. You know what I mean? They're, they're finding different spots to put these people in, and this is a great thing for them to do for Dakota Kai. Fair enough. However, I will counter that by saying everybody forever wanted Bailey to turn, and I think yes. it's gone horribly because, That's not, her, go because on. her entire thing, her entire thing since she's been in NXT has been built around being that side pony, Bailey buddies, happy-go-lucky thing. Now, Dakota Kai... Almost the exact same thing. Right. I'm not expecting her heel turn to go any better. Because really? I don't believe her as a heel. I don't visualize her as a heel. Now, Even after she that make, beatdown. Fine. That was cool. I grant you that. I want to see what happens next. Because that one beatdown. The, beat the Bailey turn was cool. Her coming out and chopping down the Bailey buddies. That was cool. That was the coming, one moment that's been good Coming so out far. as Mad Karen with the black hair the next week. You know? <laughs> questionable but since then it's been kind of just meh mad or, karen meh oh, you know mad karen so, so oh i'm saving that i i want to i want to see what happens first so let's see Bailey. I, I, I am pausing and just being tempered and be like okay let's see what happens but that's oh. what i compare it to it reminds me a lot of what bailey went through bailey was first of all Dakota Kai was definitely a different kind of perky baby face than Bailey ever was, even when she was in NXT. Uh, that being said, I see the similarities as far as Bailey in NXT and Dakota Kai in NXT. However, Bailey, when she, would, when she went to the main roster, became just bland baby face who has you know wavy, wacky, inflatable arm buddies. And Dakota Kai right? is what? Uh, not that. bland baby she face not- that didn't really have a place and didn't fit in. You're right, and then she had a great heel turn right here, unlike Bailey, who had a great heel turn and then has done nothing with it and has not shown any kind of character or viciousness afterwards. So let's see, I have what, hated, let's see what Dakota does, is what I'm saying. I, I'm agreeing with you, yeah. but I'm, I'm much more positive as opposed to skeptically optimistic about Dakota's chances here. I, I want to see it turn out well for her, but I don't have hope that it will. I'll leave it at that. Okay, well, I, I have much higher hope than that. Now, who's the, here's the question. Well, let's get back to the match itself. We could talk about heel turns all night long here. Let's get to the match itself, which was, I thought, a fantastic match and deserved to be called War Games. And as far as the first women's War Games, set a super high bar for any women's War Games to follow. Good Lord. And especially considering that two people weren't even in it. Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox never even got It was only a six-person match. Yeah. Well, that's unbelievable. And they still were able to pull off a match of this quality. Who was the MVP here? Was it Kyle, because Kaylee Ray, easily. Over Io Shirai, because Io Shirai well, did a damn moonsault off the top of the damn cage. If there's any contesting for Io Shirai, it is because of that one very thing. But if you go back, I've gone back and watched the matches, the, both yes. War Games matches. Yes. The one taking the big bumps Kaylee throughout Ray. the entire War she's getting hucked by Rhea into <laughs> the cage, sliding down yep. the steel, 
Oh, uh, she's she one. came over the rope between cages and took a trash can to the face and sold it like spot. Rhea shot her with a twelve gauge. Uh, <laughs> just that whole good. she took several of those kind of bumps. Kaylee Ray for me was she was she the ate, cannon fodder of the entire thing. And she that, was the top of the tower of doom that went down on the chairs. Exactly, yes. Yeah. No. Kaylee Ray took bump city in this and it doesn't it makes sense because she was probably not in contention to be on the woman's team for the next night whereas io shirai was on the team good lord uh it's it's actually one thing we'll talk about later is the number of nxt people that did massive duty this week uh like did did way too much work and i can't imagine how sore they are today but here's my other question ultimately Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae overcome the odds four to two and win was that the right call here or should the heels have taken this and not looked weak in defeat I mean I think I said it in the chat during Survivor Series the women's Survivor Series match this was all booked to make Rhea look like an unstoppable monster, monster. yes and it all made sense after Survivor Series because that's exactly what came across no, I disagree entirely because the way that they finished the Women's Survivor Series match did not underscore that Rhea Ripley was an unstoppable monster. She needed the help of two other people to beat Sasha Banks. We'll get to that. Yeah, I okay. think that if you're we'll going to have that one, we're going to have Ripley go over here this strong. You've got to have her go over strong at Survivor Series. But again, I thought I thought that that was I was I questioned that outcome a little bit. I was like I I I thought the heels should have picked up. It was four on two, or at least something should have happened. Yeah, where Mia Yim comes back out and helps the faces. Not I was expecting Mia. Or, I was expecting Tony. I was expecting replacements of some sort something. to come back. Right, you know, it and would have been a great strange. pop for Mia Yim's music to hit twenty minutes in or something like that, and just right. come in and save it at the end of the day. And that was the bizarre thing is uh, we did have you know two different things happen where two people were taken out of this War Games match, but yet the way that War Games matches are supposedly built is you can't the match doesn't technically quote unquote start until your whole team is in. The right. cage, and yet they arbitrarily said, "Okay, well, you your team is now two people. The match is starting." Whereas it was different for the men's. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's yeah. first talk about the other matches on the card. Uh, neither of us picked Team Rhea to win. We both thought the heels were winning there, so we both yep. that was the one thing we both didn't get right on this show. But we did get the next one right: Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest in a three-way for the number one contendership. Uh, was this another example of NXT putting on good, proper three-way matches where all three guys are always involved in the goings-ons? It's very little like two on, one-on-one with one guy Laying resting outside. outside the ring, none yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, no, this is the way to do it, man. The, the, these three guys just put in some serious work, and th- this match was a delight to watch. Just uh, It was one of those you where, you, so. where you're just sitting there just, <sighs> just, just kind of enjoying the spectacle of what you're seeing. I and, thought it was a little ridiculous, but I, I didn't. I didn't mind it. I was just able to turn off my brain and have fun with it. Yeah, you know, it just, was it, it was fun. If you look at some of the matches that, that we've had over the last year in NXT with triple threats and four ways, and even go all, all the way back to the Super Bowl with the crazy halftime heat ladder madness match madness that it was, and all of that. I mean, just throughout the we've had some of these spectacles. Now this one had actual stakes because the winner got to go yeah. up and challenge Adam Cole at Survivor Series the NXT championship and it wasn't on the pre-show <laughs> right so this one had some stakes built around it but yeah uh, ultimately Pete Dunn comes out as the victor uh, we both called that one uh, I, I just, yeah it made the it most just, sense I'm glad it they makes went the it that most way sense coming out of this yes yeah. but but as we said it still makes it's a little underwhelming because the build for this wasn't that much and then there's zero build for Pete Dunn versus Adam Cole no yeah so that that was a little disappointing. I said I was going to be disappointed if that's what they went with, uh, just because that seems like 
uh, especially with the way that they were jumping around when this match was going to happen. It just seemed a little odd. Um, and I think the lack of build for that. Uh, this match, I mean, they had some build with it where the guys were all messing with each other. But then, and then the fact that there were stakes did help. But just, I, I can't, I still to this day can't put my finger on what was missing here. I can't, I can't tell you what it was. Uh, whether it was just some sort of chemistry in the way that they were promoing on each other. They all just feel like guys that just couldn't give a crap. Yeah. Uh, Killian Dane's like, I'll just fight anybody, but I'm particularly mad at you, Pete Dunn, because you messed up my fingers. And I don't know. It, there was, I, I ha again, I haven't really had much had a chance to wrap my head around what didn't quite work for me. But I mean, this was an entertaining match. They had a bunch of fun, entertaining spots, uh, like a Michinoku driver onto the other guy, like Dane. What a Michinoku driver done on a priest's face at one point. Yeah. At one point, he, he broke up a pin, Dane, by by passing out onto a pinfall. Like that was fun. Um, but ultimately, yeah, Pete Dunn picks up the victory as we both suspected that he would, because it just, as you said, made the most sense. Also making a lot of sense was the outcome of Finn Balor and Matt Riddle, which was the next match and a big departure on this show. Very, very technical wrestling capital W match. What did you think of this one, man? I loved it. I loved every minute of this. I, I, so I it just, wasn't too, de like, too deliberate of a match. It wasn't too sluggish. The pace was fine for you. No, I wanted it to get a little dirty though, because this is a this is a street, you know, a street. These two just didn't like each other. They they brushed up against each other. There's there's a disrespect of the other ones there, and all that kind of all that stuff, right? You just want to feel some of that angst come through. It's not just an exhibition of who's better. There's there's actual legit angst going into this, and I and it's been built over the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to see some of that, and I did. I got some of that, but I wanted a little bit more. Maybe we'll get some more tomorrow night. Maybe we'll get some more going into uh, the next month or so. But I, I don't know. I, I could certainly see this going on for some time. And you know, a year from now, they might call back to this uh, yep. to start another program or something. Who knows? Well, I think it was a great way to show that you know, because Matt Riddle looked he looked strong in defeat. He was definitely going toe to toe with Finn a lot on this. But it showed that Finn has a newer, more vicious side. It showed more what we're getting from Finn. Did he have, like, a little bit of, of pack vibes to you? Like, he's kind of like bit. skinny, skinny, short hair pack. Are you talking like, about did, Riddle or, or uh, Finn Balor? Finn Balor. Not only did he have, like, he had the, the black straps on the on the top of his arms, but he had, the you know, just the same outfit. You and, know what? I uh, think it's throwing back the, more the attitude. The, you know what you know I want to I mean? say, and you're not going to like it, but I think it's throwing back to the Prince stuff from New Japan. You know, he would wear the armbands. He would wear the left arm sleeve. He'd, oh, he didn't do it every match, but it, he yeah. had some some apparel that he wore. And that we've seen him go back to the black trunks. There was even some. I got a little excited for my Joker stuff. All all kidding it. aside, it, they brought, wore some purple and black gear out, and I kind of went. <gasps> so <Yeah>. that, <laughs> but no, no, that, that was. That I, was right I think Finn's going back to, and the Prince has arrived. He's doing the real rock and oh, yeah. roller more often now. And I'm sitting here going, okay, he's 100 going. This back is the, to the Balor we want. Man. Yeah, but what's interesting is is that in, and in this match he went back to the more the Japanese style of style of storytelling in the ring. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. As well, it's more I was calling back more to the attitude, the viciousness, the kind of what a bastard attitude that he has. Um, but yeah, I'm all for New Japan Finn going out there and having New Japan strong style matches with other dudes who can go in there and wrestle. Hell yeah! And if that's why Finn went back to NXT, then. Welcome back, and, Welcome and back, them, them boys was working snug too. They they were they were they were real. <laughs> they were they were stiffening up, which is I love the fact that Matt Riddle's a guy who can work that way too. Yep. What do you think about Finn 
bringing out the 1916 as his new old finisher. Sure. Bring it back. If you're bringing Prince yeah. back, bring it back. That Just that elevated DDT is fantastic. I love it. And it looked, and Matt Riddle took it like a champ, like yeah, an RV, like RVD style, like super high angle. Um, I think it's a great idea because I think the coup de grace is much more of a face finish where it's very spectacular and crowd popping, whereas it's this like, looks ah! vicious. Like the battle. Vicious, thing, right? vicious, vicious. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, and then finally, the men's war games match. <sighs> Undisputed Era, all four members, all four title holders versus Ciampa, Dijak, uh, uh, sorry, Dijakovic, my bad, and, uh, and, Keith, and Keith Lee, and surprise entrant number four. It wasn't so really first, a surprise after all, because we all knew it was well, coming. <laughs> uh, you bet it was somebody else, my friend. I'm the one who called who it was on this I show. Know. I was taking so, a chance. Fantasy right. Nick booking. Fantasy Nick booking pays off once again. Yeah. Well, at least on the on on, on Saturday night. Saturday night, it was not your night. I can't really talk after Sunday. But uh, so real quick, we it's just a little tiny aside here. Champa came out looking amazing. He came out in like a hood and a crazy outfit with a mask on. We were debating. We were debating in chat and Discord what this mask was because it had it was like a you know gold evil skull mask. We heard Deathstroke. Uh, that was I me, but it, I count. I, I I negated that one because it Deathstroke matches the two colors split down the middle with no right, down the middle, no vents exactly. or anything. Yeah. And I said Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles off the bat. Yeah. Um, which if you've ever seen that mask, I thought was pretty close, and especially with you know he's got the crutch, which is kind of like the hockey sticks that Casey Jones uses, um, or the you know the you have the two the two sticks. Um, I heard Reaper from Overwatch. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good one. But here's the one that actually, once I heard it, made the most sense to me. Mick Thompson from Slipknot, guitarist from Slipknot, guitarist from Slipknot. Huh. It was his mask. I, I didn't totally even think mask. about that, but that's pretty bang on. Hang on, let me pull a picture of it up. But I've I've seen it, pull it a up dozen times. I pull it uh, up. It Mc, makes that makes the most sense. Mick Thompson mask. Back. Yeah, uh, you, that's pretty close. I think your close. guess, Casey Jones, is the closest. It's, um, th that, I, and, that and Reaper are, are the closest. that I, I play a lot if, of Overwatch. So uh, If anyone has seen Ciampa say what exactly it was on Twitter, I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, so it's still up up for debate, but <laughs> I don't know. I'll tweet if him right now. If anyone's heard officially, officially. Tweet, tweet him right now. What the hell? Yeah. Tweet him live in the We're middle live? of the show. We're live? Let's do it. Hey, maybe he'll get back Yo, to dude. us. You never know. Yo, uh, dude. What is it? What was At that, man? Goldie, lo I love Goldie. Something like that. <laughs> Daddy's home. Yeah. Hashtag daddy's home. I don't know. But at any rate, if anyone has any further information, uh, let us know. Uh, if it is Casey Jones, I will mark out because I'm an OG Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I'm, I'm a four red mask fan. All right. That's how, that's how far back I go. Like I, I own early issues of TMNT signed by Kevin Aceman and Peter Laird. So oh my God. come at me with your TMNT shit. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Of the three men's war games matches... Looking back on this one, where does this rank for you? Was this number one? Was this where? Where is this? It's going to be hard to top Ricochet doing two somersaults off the top of the cage last year. Yep. Uh, this is very close, number two. Just shy of being the top. Like one. last year for just, me is the best. Just like an Ian Chin hair, uh, <laughs> less than the than the one from last year. I'd have to agree with you. Just I think because of the way this was set up. That being said. The hellacious bump. Everyone has had a hellacious bump to finish, if you recall. Yeah. And two of them have involved Adam Cole. <laughs> that poor guy. But this one, I think, 
uh, is the most hellacious bump I've ever seen Adam Cole take. I think I think it's safe to say. Like this is worse than him and Gargano going off the top of the cage. This was insane. It ended with an air raid, an air raid, which goes backwards. Champa has has Adam Cole draped across his lower back, and he goes backwards onto the tables from the top of the cage. That was one of the most terrifying spots I've seen in modern wrestling. I was I was like, very worried. Plus, the thing that he was using to balance himself up there was, was that unstable. movable chain, and it was he was trying God. to hold on to it. And I'm just going, oh God, no. Oh, don't so die! Many Please don't die! So many things could have gone wrong, <laughs> but no, but it looked uh, it was as pretty as it could possibly have been. What a great finish to the match! Uh, and that was that was I think the most exciting thing about the match. The second most exciting thing was who the reveal of who the fourth person was, and the only reason why it was the second most exciting thing to me was because I thought it was fairly predictable, given the fact that Adam Cole and Undisputed Era had some beef with this guy last week. On Raw, it seemed to set it up. It seemed to make logical sense. Plus, we knew it would pop the crowd. Plus, come called back to an old NXT staple. Kevin Owens was the surprise fourth member mm. of Team Ciampa. Came in and just whooped seven sorts of ass on Undisputed Era. How did you like his entrance where they uh, they played it like, again, again versus the women's uh, War Games match where we were kind of wondering, you know, Okay, well, how can they have the match start with two on four? Right. Here, it's three on four. No one comes out to fill the fourth slot for Team Ciampa. The match seems to continue, and the audience is like, I guess it's just going to be three on four because and, of the women's match. And even Undisputed Era in there, they're like, there's nobody. They got nobody. They're they got nobody. Off. They're, they're, they're hamming it up real big and, and just ba-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na
<laughs> you know, that's whoa. Oh, that's Kevin's still a big boy too. He ain't little Adam Cole. Kevin's still like I don't care if you're little or big, man. You yeah. go backwards off of a cage. That is that is about as scary as you get. So age dead. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally I think DiJack was underused in this match. Um, I thought fair. Keith Lee had some had some good like crowd charisma moments. I think yeah, I don't know if it's DiJack's fault for just not taking moments to um, to get himself over. Or just not have it, not being booked with more big impressive spots, you know. I think, I think they the biggest- tried to do it. The one move that I missed, I, I was hoping for, I guess, was uh, a pounce over bet- to the other ring, over the ropes. Yeah, and I, I think missed. they tried to do something like that with Roddy, but it was botchy a little bit where he fell through yeah. the second rope. On but the again, other side. that was him and Keith Lee. Like he needed at least to have yeah. one solo spot, um, and he did. He did powerbomb or not? He he choke slammed Roddy through a table, but even that was like it was not enough. Yeah. So I think Dijak didn't get quite enough shine in this match but if we're, if we're nitpicking it was a fantastic match it was a fantastic show great way to start the weekend yeah and uh it was a great way to start the weekend for me uh winning this one what was it five to you had five like to one point four you beat me by like one no i beat i, I got picked you all the same shit Scott. other than the who, whoever Gar- was gonna- so one two three for you and five for me no, so right, fine so anyway, yeah, start off the weekend good for me, but it did not end well for me. Even though we did have a very entertaining Survivor Series, it was not. Uh, it was it was devastation over here in Casa de Malcolm, uh, but not so much for Mr. Nick Howell. But let's talk about that, Nick. Let's head over and discuss Survivor Series. I want to qualify this before we talk about anything by saying I did pick with my gut. I, I, in my normal crazy way that I sometimes do, I take a lot of chances with picks (sighs) and it's just so happened that it was BWO solstice and the, the, all of the planets aligned with Vince McMahon's brain and somehow crazy fantasy Nick booking guesses paid off. There's no magic secret to this. It's, it's, it's happened twice. Once with Mania 18 and one, or 17, 17, 18, Mania 18. And then it took 18 months to get Mania 18. You're thinking of Wrestle Kingdom, bro. <laughs> Mania 33 and 34. Sorry, Mania 2018, but, a year and a half ago. Hashtag Nick dates. But uh, so Steiner, again, Steiner, Nick, Steiner Nick, calendar, <laughs> Nick calendar. Uh, okay. So yeah, th- this was. This is a debacle. Let's just go through the show, and we'll get to the pickums and all of the, all of the fallout at the end here. Yeah. I'll, I'll get now, myself now he to wants drink. to brush through it. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's let's race through this. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, man, you're the it. one who wanted to do this quickly. Uh, so on the pre-show, we had a match we did not see coming, and hopefully, and hopefully, we never see again. The tag team battle royale: the Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party, Hawkins and Ryder, Imperium, Heavy Machinery, Brizango, Revival, the OC, the Street Profits, and Rudolph. Uh, by the way, that was not just the teams that were in this battle royale. That was the order of elimination. Uh, that's right. Rudolph was left standing at the end of this whole thing. Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, two singles wrestlers, beat all those others legit tag teams. Nick, I'm going to step back and let you have your way with this booking because I think we all know what you think about this. It sucks. That's really <laughs> the end of it. Vince Vince looked at us. Oh, you guys like tag team wrestling? Here you go. Um, at the end of the day, look, this is my complaint. And Ian, I even think, I think I text this to you. Uh, I was I, like, we don't text a lot back and forth between the shows that much because we're in the chats with the with the listeners and everything. But there's every, every now and then I just go, what? 
Yeah. This one, I you're going to you're going to overshadow some of your biggest tag teams that you decided to put in this match. This isn't just tag team catering. This is all of your big tag teams. OC, Revival, Heavy well, Machinery. It's a little bit of tag team catering. Imperium, uh, you know, Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party that you've had on TV for two years. And you're going to have Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode in an ad hoc tag team knock all of them out and chump all of them out. It just it, that's the kind of stuff that just drives me up the wall because those two have no business being a tag team at all. And great, you're, yeah, you put the championships on them for seven minutes. Congratulations! But right here, I mean, you had so many opportunities to to, to put one of your legit tag teams over, and to it just it just infuriates me that they took the chance or that they didn't take the chance to lever, to do this. Heavy machinery. They're over as hell. People are having fun with them. You know? Give them an opportunity here. Otis busted his face open trying to do the damn caterpillar. Right? Which he does every time. But you also had the revival. You had the good brothers. Legit long-time tag teams that are just badasses. And you give it to Rudin Ziggler. Mm-hmm. Who are now who are now a legit top line tag team apparently according to Vince's eyes. Because we had this debate eyes, when the bar was coming out, and I, I don't want to have yep. it again. I, yeah. I don't want to do that again to, from two years ago but because it, I hated they're, it they're then the too, new, and I still hate it now. They're the new bar, only not as exciting. Not anywhere near <laughs> as whatever. And they don't put on as good a tag matches. Although they're they're really here's the thing they are they're both really talented. They're really good, and I think that they work as a tag team, or they could. They just you know like the bar. They've got to come up with a gimmick that is a tag team. The bar became a tag team. I still don't see uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode as a tag team yet. Now, if they do something to cement them as a legitimate tag team, we can talk. But I agree with you. Like here. Unless you're going to go out and convince us that they're a legit tag team, to put them over all these other guys buries the division. Which and, is probably and, and exactly what Vince wanted to do on the pre-show, just to stick it to all of us. I, but it's I don't you know, know. It's not inten- it's not intentional. It's uh, it's not him. It's not him being malicious. It's just that's how he thinks. That's how team wrestling. That's how he books. That's just how he books. Yeah. Uh, also on the pre-show, another tag team match because again, can't have tag teams on the main show because who gives a crap about tag teams, right, Vince? Tag Team Triple Threat matched all three of the champions, New Day, Viking Raiders, and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, Red Dragon, Undisputed Era, going at it. Uh, Nick, this this is where my weekend began to suck. <laughs> and for everybody, because, because there I were only put, about five or six people in the pickums that actually picked Viking Raiders to win this, which they did. And even then, I put points i put points on new day because i was convinced through the storytelling that they were telling (laughs) the fact that it was new day the fact that kofi kingston was just coming off of a title run that they would put that they would do new day could go over these other two guys i I actually said to you kofi pins kyle o'reilly you did that to me made the most logical sense undisputed era is coming off of getting their asses kicked in war games and new day are the crowd favorites it's on the pre-show get the audience hyped no one gives a crap about Viking Raiders enough yet. That that seemed to me to be the most logical possible uh, booking here. But no. Viking Raiders pin Undisputed Era, and Viking Raiders pick this one up. All right. Uh, can you explain to me how this makes sense? 
Sure. What was your your what was your logic? You picked Viking Raiders. I did. Uh, they, they need it more. But bes- New Day's the seven-time champs. What the hell they need another victory for in a innocuous pre-show tag team match that that it has no stakes attached to it. Undisputed Era has been the damn tag team champions on and off for the last two years. Where's Viking Raiders? Viking been? Raiders are tied to. They've been squashing dudes and being tag champs. They were. They had to. They had to give away the titles on NXT because no one could beat them. And the Undisputed Era went and went and just picked up the titles. They had to give up the tag team championships. What do you mean they needed it? Get out of here. Kofi needs it. That man. That man sucked it up for Brock Lesnar in six seconds. Give him some love. Biggie heel terming coming in soon. Oh, get the hell out of here with your Nick booking. Nonsense. This was some bull crap, and it all went downhill from here. It, it just, we started off the main don't show. Don't be mad because you lost. You're just bitter. You're just being not, mad today. <laughs> it's going to get worse. It's yes. going to get worse. Buckle up. This is what I live because, for. Finally, oh, once every oh, year. Good. I can, <laughs> to watch me melt down. Yes. <laughs> well, good. Good. Just brace yourself because there's more of it. Tell you what. Tell you what, Nick. Here's how it was all downhill from here, folks. It is all downhill. You can see Surrey and Dangerous just deteriorate in the chat throughout the whole show. I'm already starting to sweat right now. (laughs) Tell you what. (laughs) Here's how this is going to go down. You started announcing what happened to the Women's Survivor Series. I'm going to go get myself a goddamn drink to get through this show. I'll be back. Uh, Okay. All right. Fine. (laughs) Hang hang on there, guys. This is going to be a good time. We've started off hot. With the Women's Survivor Series match, air raid horns, and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Coming in to line all of these up, uh, the Raw team was Charlotte, Natalia, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, and Sarah Logan, which was an odd one. SmackDown was Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, and Carmella. And immediately looking at that team right there, I was just like, nope, that ain't happening. Uh, And then we had Team NXT, which was Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, and after War Games the night before, it was announced by Rhea Ripley that we we were going to be adding Nick's favorite, Tony Storm, to the NXT Women's Survivor Series team uh, for the following night. Ian, uh, what was your take on, you know, if I look back at the Pick'ems, you picked... Uh, let's see, Sm- Team SmackDown. And I want to understand why you did, because what you may not have heard me say there while you were getting your drink was that how in the hell could you have picked Sasha, Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke, and Carmella to go over any of those other teams? Hold on. You ex- right. you made me explain my reasons for picking Viking Raiders. I need to understand how the hell you thought Dana Brooke and Carmella were going to go over Team Ripley and Team Becky. That was exactly what you were supposed to think. And then when Sasha Banks picked up the win solo at the end, you were going to be surprised and shocked. How in the world did she handle all of Team SmackDown, which is basically women's catering? How did she manage to win with all of them? That was the story. And guess what, pal? Who were the last two in this match? Rhea Ripley and Sasha Banks. I was My booking was logic. It was sound. But then at the end, you had two people from NXT who had been, quote-unquote, injured early in the match, Candice LeRae and Io Shirai, who were supposed to be bitter enemies, come back and help Rhea Ripley win. 
All three of them tag team on Sasha Banks. So wait, 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 wait. Tell me again how my logic was flawed when I was shocked that they actually let NXT go over here. And NXT also looked like jabronis. They looked like goons because they looked like heels going over three to one and putting. it took a three of them to put down Sasha Banks. Now, great, that makes them look strong. And it just ended up being, surprisingly, a very NXT-heavy night. I thought they were going to put well, SmackDown over more because of Fox. And they're yeah. going to make NXT look good, but That's SmackDown's still going to look really strong. It, I know it's a good point. Why do you <laughs> so, think I picked the way I picked? So, I so two things there. I was very, yeah, please take a drink for a minute and take, catch your breath. One, oh. I was very surprised throughout the night, the course of the night, that I thought SmackDown would get more shine, especially since Raw swept last year and they have this giant Fox contract going on right now. Yeah. The whole show, Fox ba- or SmackDown basically got shit on. And I was just like, oh, God. I was thinking that throughout the whole night. I was like, when's SmackDown going to show up? Well, anyway, but no one got shit up more shit on more than Raw, though. And Raw was the first one out in this match. So I want the other thing is that you, I look at the totality of the Women's Survivor Series match. Almost within the first three minutes, NXT is down two people. And it, it was at that moment that I knew, up oh, they're winning. And, it, you know, I, I will admit I intentionally did not pick Team SmackDown for what I've gone over already. But I was very curious to see, are they really going to have... that? They stacked. the You had Asuka and Charlotte. You had all, all kinds of folks over on Team Raw. But, also, but it made sense because it, it broke down. Team Raw broke down. So they made that make sense. Once all that made sense and once NXT was down too, I, I, it's what I said earlier about war games. This whole weekend to me feels like it was Rhea Ripley showcase uh, of great. just making her look strong. And I thought they were going to make her look strong, except for the fact that she lost to one of the biggest women's talents that they have, which is Sasha Banks. And so that to me was this makes logical sense. We got to the end of the match, Sasha versus Rhea. All right, Rhea's going to just not be quite good enough to take out Sasha. Fantastic. Oh, no, wait. That was the booking for the men's Survivor Series match. The one I got right. But they didn't do it here. In fact, they gave it to NXT in some, I thought, really strange finish. Also, what I thought was interesting, uh, your girl, Tony Storm, did not look good. She was out real quick in this yeah, match. That was not a yeah, good I look. I thought she was very I, underused. I won't fight you there. I mean, she looked no. great, but it wasn't no. a good think, look for her wrestling career. <laughs> no. Well, something's up there. I, I'm curious what they're, yeah. I mean, obviously they like her, but some, something's, something's up there. Uh, at any rate, yeah, I think the only other thing to come out of this storyline-wise was Charlotte versus Asuka seems to be getting set up, and we know now it is getting set up thanks to Raw, but uh, that's pretty much it. That's all that came out of this. Uh, you obviously got this one right, and it only gets worse from here. Nakamura versus Roderick Strong versus AJ Styles, the Intercontinental Champ versus the North American Champ versus the U.S. Champ in a triple threat match that was, I thought, absolutely fantastic. It was. And a great look for all three of these guys. You put these three guys in the ring and their pedigree from Japan wrestling Noah all the way up through and, and, you know, styles and Nakamura and new Japan all the way up to where they are today and the career path that they've been on over the last two decades. And man, I, it's hard to say that this match overperformed, but it still feels like it did somehow, even though Roderick strong came out wearing a, what looked like a diaper. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with their gear, but <laughs> three people, out of 25, including you and I, three people picked Roderick Strong to win, including me. And this was one of those crazy ones where I was looking at the ratio of wins per brand, and I was trying to balance that out. And this is one of those where I thought, yeah, they could go over here. NXT could go over here. Same with the women's match, by the way. 
Um, this is where they because all of the other ones were all Raw and SmackDown. So this is one of the this is where I thought they were going to get the win, and that's why I picked wrong. It, it wasn't was, like some crazy thing that I thought up. It was just balance. I was shocked, and I was also shocked that Strong pinned Nakamura. I thought if Nakamura was going to lose, if he was if he wasn't going to win, he was going to eat the pin. Uh, I thought AJ was going to pin him. If it was going to go anyway, I'm shocked. Strong would have been, would have been my last pick to win this. Uh, given everything, again, I did not see NXT having a big night on this night. I thought with the the program they're trying to tell with Nakamura that Sami Zayn was going to figure into the finish. I thought that they were going to protect the other two guys by having Sami Zayn and Nakamura have a uh, you know a, a, a screwy finish, but. They did not do that this evening. They no, went about, about, halfway, about halfway through the match, Roderick Strong was was resting outside, selling outside the ring, and it just gave Styles and Nakamura the time that they needed to look strong and have their own thing. And I'm sitting here in my head going, yeah, Strong's going to sneak in, sneak this one out. Here he comes. Wait for it. Three, mm-hmm. two, and there he did. He jumped right in, got the pin, and Roderick Strong Do you wins. think that Nakamura looked weak because of this? He ate a phenomenal forearm and then – had AJ pushed off of him by Roderick Strong and then Roderick Strong pinned him, was that making Nakamura look weak, do you think? No, because, I mean, Roderick came in, he pulled AJ through AJ outside, and then just fell on top of it. Yeah, was it a long time for Nak to be laying there? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, it is what it is. Look, Raw and SmackDown won, besides this match and the Women's Survivor Series match, Raw and SmackDown won everything else. I'm okay with NXT taking a couple. And you just have to look at it that way. And when you're bringing three brands in with only eight matches on the card, two of them are hour-long showcases. You got to be okay with you know at least them getting at least one of the other matches. So that's the way I looked at it. That's why I picked Strong to win this one particularly. Made zero sense. I no. cannot understand how Strong won this. I'm happy he did. Don't get me wrong. I love I love our boy. Oh, Roddy I'm totally wrong. It, uh, Basler also got her. So that's three. So I I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank uh, me, you. Me trying to explain this is, you. is just is you a can't. worthless cause. You I can't. can't explain it. I just picked stuff. I picked uh, who I would want admit. to win. You know Exactly. You, maybe this one. I'm sitting here trying to overthink things, and look what happens to me. Next up, we have Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne. That's why you NXT win all the time, though. I know it's why I win all the time. So, uh, one, time I, out of the, I, one time a year, it backfires on me. I'm sorry yeah, I'm right. thinking about this. <laughs> Instead of, you know, Triple H and Vince backstage getting drunk and throwing darts at a board and going, ah, yes. he's going to win. Yeah. Uh, all right. Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne for the NXT Championship. Uh, crowd what? at first, not into this match, or they were exhausted from everything they'd already seen. Not sure, but damn, did they get into this match? Because, in my opinion, Nick, tell me I'm wrong. This was the match of the night. Easily. Easily. Like, and just in turn, like, this is the match you're going to go back five years from now. And be like, that was a really good match. Yeah, that, that's watch gonna, that one for technical, technical. Absolutely, uh, and and just look, listen. Things. I want to give. I, I don't even want to do this yet. I'll do this at the end of the show. But I, I really want to throw some shine on Adam Cole. That dude's been going nonstop for the better part of a decade at this point. And dude, I, somebody, I think I actually I th- thought there was a small chance here that Adam Cole might want a vacation for a couple of months, and they would put this on <gasps> for the same way you were giving the logic that Mysterio might actually win. His match against right. Lesnar, I was thinking Cole might drop the NXT title here to Pete Dunne, and you know get get a UK guy over, carry the title a little bit, let Cole have a break. Because yeah. I mean, between his Ring of Honor Championship runs and all this stuff from like pff, the last eight to ten years that he's been doing, he's pretty much been in the the spotlight for this entire decade. 
and that dude's just been running nonstop. Kudos to Adam. I, I just I, I want to give that guy a little bit of shine. You yeah you want to get, you want to put some shine on him. I'm saying you put some tiger bomb and some band aids on him because that boy is beat the hell today. I can't imagine how he feels right now. We didn't even mention the fact that they showed Britt Baker in the audience to take over, um, which was an which was actually uh, yeah it was funny. Triple H came out afterwards and said we did not mean to do that. The director didn't know who she was. We just looked at the most imp- – he looked at the most concerned-looking person in the crowd who was like – And it just man. happened to be Adam Cole's wife. And then everyone else was like, no, that's – no, get off her. Get off her. That's Britt <laughs> Baker. Uh, and apparently Triple H talked to them both backstage and apologized and didn't want to get her in trouble with her employers and, you know, wishes her well, which was really – I had like a nice little mm, – Yeah. Uh, healthy, yeah. like friendly competition moment. Um, but, yeah, I supposedly she was in the crowd for this one as well. I mean – Talk about seeing your boyfriend go through some hellacious shit in one weekend. Um, I don't know if him selling his injuries from war games in this match was, in, was entirely uh, selling. I think that was just legit. Um, or just the whole week in general of all of the yeah, travel those least, guys have been on. Just craziness. I mean, they had Pete Dunne selling an injury too, but it's, it was one of those things where you're looking at it going, there's no way Pete Dunne is anywhere near as beat up as Adam Cole. No. Adam Cole took an air raid crash. Off the top of the cage, he should be dead. Not to mention he just had a freaking ladder match with Dijak. Dijak, yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, how that's that's how you book someone when you're going to have them lose the title. Thankfully, I didn't overthink this and was like, "No, Adam Cole's keeping it." We both ended up saying that, yep. and that was in fact the case. Adam Cole did retain, although Pete Dunne did look like an absolute monster in defeat. Very curious to see how they ultimately take this title off of Adam Cole because he now looks like, you know, the the Iron Man. Who can withstand anything, um, which is my favorite kind of heel. The guy who talks all kinds of shit, but can back it up in the ring, but at the same time is also a cowardly douche. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. the it's that is the kind of classic heel I love. Where he'll beg off, he'll try to cheat, but he can also he can go if yeah. he has to. So speaking of that kind of heel, Daniel Bryan, who was that up until recently, now he seems to be turning. Uh, back into some sort of face. I'm not sure what's happening with him, but he had a match with the Universal Champion Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend. Uh, the Are red we lights stop were saying back. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and we just call I, him and just call him the Fiend when he's the Fiend, and Bray Wyatt when he's Bray Wyatt. Like I, I, I keep hearing the Fiend, Bray Wyatt. And I'm like, no, it's just it's the Fiend. Like it's, it's like not- the Beast Brock Lesnar. Right. Uh, okay, my head's gonna explode. Never mind. <laughs> well, we both picked this one right too. This one seemed. To, I don't think any. Did anyone pick this one wrong? Did anyone pick Daniel Bryan to win here? No, but I mean in they're our, already advertising paper. shows in January with Daniel Bryan and facing off against the champion, the fiend Bray Wyatt. So I mean, <laughs> oh great, it's gonna continue. That oh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna keep going for a couple months. Uh, well, my wonder is is how long before the fans turn on these tropes like the red lights and the relentless you know, the the mandible claw and, and the no selling, like how long before the fans turn on the fiend? Like it's exciting, but this is this is this has got a very short shelf life the way they're presenting it, in my I, opinion. So here's what I'll say. I never I I think the mandible claw is being done differently in a more vicious way. He's pinning them down, he's using his hand and Daniel Bryan seemingly lost consciousness uh when Bray Wyatt had it on him, right? Or, More, me, that's like that's early feet. mankind. Early mankind did it. Sure, did it well. sure, but I, I don't. I just didn't remember that they would always lose consciousness over that. I, I thought oh, yeah. it was just a thing where they would get tapped. Whatever. No, so they, they used, to, used to pass people out with him. That. Him laughing and him roaring, roar, roar, as he's giving it to. 
Like, holy smokes. It's vicious. It looks mean as hell. His laugh is Joker-esque maniacal, and I love it. And just, I just, I'm fine with everything that he's doing. I loved the no sell on the yes kicks. I think that was probably my favorite part of the match. He just kept kicking he just him, kept, kept kicking coming him, kept back up, and he could just. So Daniel Bryan's legendary yes kicks that just take everybody down, and oh god, they're the most devastating kicks in in WWE. Whatever, but he just pops right back up. Same with the stomps, right? Yeah. Here's what I like about the fiend. What I'm enjoying about it is that he is an unstoppable dragon. He, we've been talking about dragons and slaying yeah, dragons. Dragon to slay, sure. And they, if they're going to make Braun a sideshow bearded lady at the circus doing crazy sideshow things, then you got to have a dragon to slay. And I think what the about fiend, well then what's Brock Lesnar then? Isn't he a dragon of sorts too? Sure, sure. But on the other brand. I, but I want to call this out really quickly, right? Which is very true. So you have two dominant champs on each brand that have very rare matches. Yeah. I want to call you know, Jared McDonald just said in the chat. Uh, in in relation to me saying, you know, the fiend Bray Wyatt, the the beast Brock Lesnar, he said, um, uh, to be fair, Brock is the same person in everything he does. Bray is a split personality, so it fits to call him two different things. That's the thing; they're not calling him. It it would fit to call him the fiend on one hand and Bray on the other. That's not what they're doing. Yeah. They're doing this as a catchphrase, the same way that you have the big dog Roman Reigns, the the beast slayer Seth Rollins. They're calling him the fiend Bray Wyatt because that's just how they brand things they're not going to call him the fiend i want them to be identities what, though you what, know what i mean what jared's what jared's saying is right no what you guys are saying is right yeah that would be cool but what they're doing is branding him not splitting it up into those i i agree that would be a better way to present it right yeah. hey it's bray wyatt up in the firefly funhouse it's, i mean look hey, at how they the do finn, ba- the finn balor as demon you know and then they started calling him demon balor the demon finn balor uh, right shut up michael branding Cole. branding Stop branding it. and that's that's what i'm saying is i would prefer to have it be bray wyatt and the fiend like dr jekyll and mr hyde but it's yes. not that's why we're getting the fiend bray wyatt i want okay. mr hyde that's, in the ring and i want dr jekyll in an, in a suit or a red sweater vest uh, behind the scenes, and that's—I feel like they could do that, and they just—they want the catchphrase right. for the merch. And exactly. I, get it, I get it. No, no, no. I think the three of us are agreeing here. You, me, and yeah. Jared are agreeing that it would be better to have a split. But what's happening is they're like I'm. What I was saying was they're calling him the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Not be, you know they're not splitting it because they want to brand him. Yeah. And that sucks. Um, that being said, let's talk, you know, this match overperformed. I thought that they fixed the red lights. The red lights were way too red the last few times. And at least on my TV, which I've watched everything on, um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd. So I really tuned my TV in color wise. I could really see the difference in the lighting. How, and how, we've how got many, a couple of people. How many nits of color does your TV have? How many nits? Yeah. How many, how many, how many nits? How many nits? Who? Many. Um, <laughs> But we had people that were there live, and they're actually in chat right now, saying that it was actually not it was not bad live, okay. as opposed to the well, that the was our big question, times. right? How, what's it like well, the, live? Because on TV, right, it's a different but, experience. But we had people that were at previous shows that were like couldn't see a damn thing, whereas uh, okay. this one, they said you could see stuff because they, they there's a little more blue and purple in those lights, so it's a little cleaner. Yeah. Um, the blacks, it's not the contrast isn't quite as high. Yeah, it's like it's, so you're it's, able it's to make thinner. More. Like there's a little bit of whiter yeah. light in there where you can see actually see through what's going on in there. And I felt that exactly. way on TV as well. Uh, it yeah. came through for sure. So that's which is which is good. If you're going to do that and have that be a trope, I think it's an effective trope. When, when it first happened, I said, look, if you're going to try and make this like a horror movie, fine. I don't think that they're wrong 
for trying to do that. Uh, but I'm glad that they're dialing in how they're doing it. Yep. Um, but it is going to be one of those tropes that people might get a little exhausted by. So that's one thing that I'm worried about. And that's an and overall and and nah. and the fiend squashing people. And of course, he did win here. I don't like you. Like I said, I don't think anyone picked Daniel Bryan to win this match. Um, the last question on this. We got to move. Did this need the belt being involved? No, he doesn't need a belt. I don't know why they need to put a belt on him. He just he needs to be. He's a dragon. Why does uh, the dragon need Undertaker a belt? or Kane like that? You don't have to have right. those guys. The mystique of those guys is enough. You don't need to have championships involved. Like they could have yep. just left Seth in the belt alone and had him doing championship matches and had the Fiend messing around with Daniel Bryan and Kofi or whoever else they wanted to. This could have all been fine. But no, they yeah. had to go and just strap him right away. And I, yep. that's where that's where it was all downhill from there because you can't recover from it. You, you can't take them down. You've, you've already got to kill it before it can run its course. Yeah. I, I so. very much disagree with having um, your biggest dragons have the belt. I, you know, it's We've one of said the things same like, about Braun Strowman. How do you get it off of him once you put it on him? Once you put it on him, and at least with him, they didn't really they didn't put it on him, but then they also screwed him up as well. We'll get back to this because the Brock match, I felt the same exact way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where it was, again, where it just wasn't necessary to have the damn belt. But... We've, we've talked about that ad nauseum in the past. We wanted them to keep it in their pants. They did not. Vince loves whipping it right out. Boom. Plopping it on your desk. Uh, yep. So let's see. Moving on next, we've got the Men's Survivor Series. And that was... Uh, Which was on, weird. On, How is this not was, closing out the show? We'll get back to that. I want to talk about <laughs> okay. that when we talk about the match that closed out the show. Men's okay. Survivor Series representing Raw. I'll do it this time, Nick, because uh, now I have my... Hold on. Mm. Nom, 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 nom. Now I have my drinks. Uh, Men's Survivor. I'm gonna need to start drinking again soon here. Men's Survivor Series Raw was Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Randy, Kennedy, Keith Callenback, Orton, Ricochet, and Drew McIntyre. SmackDown represented by Roman, the Big Dog Reigns, Baron Corbin, Mustafa Ali, Chad Gable. I'm not calling him by his nickname, and Braun Strowman. NXT. We found out on the pre-show for this was represented by. Tommaso Ciampa, somehow still alive after Survivors after uh, Takeover. Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Damian Priest, and freaking Walter, Walter, the NXT UK champ, surprise final entrant on Team NXT. Not gonna lie, I I wanted to change my pick. Uh, I did too, <laughs> and I'm glad when I, I did. When I heard but... that, uh, I wanted to change my pick because they're they're putting him in there for a reason. Was my thought. Glad Same. I didn't though. Same, because the reason they put him in there was to have him go out first, apparently, yeah. which uh, you you could not have. I would never have picked Walter to be the first person to be pinned and eliminated of all of these people. Good Lord, who made that decision? What kind of I mean, they had him stand toe to toe with Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre like he looked good. He, they did have him look good in this match, I felt. Uh, but at the same time, as we know from past Survivor Series, you're going to have a lot of people that you don't want to see go out early, go out early. Uh, last year, remember how Samoa Joe went out kind of like a punk early. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen it before is what I'm saying. Yeah. So that didn't entirely surprise me. He got a little bit of shine here, but it was still shocking where there's a lot of other guys I thought could have gone out first. I'm torn with whether or not I would have. A part of me was I would love, love to see Walter just run rough shot on everybody and just go around the ring and just whip everybody's ass after he's been eliminated. But then there's this kind of admirable, honorable side of Walter 
that that I can't explain that just he wouldn't do something like that. No, he's the ring general. He believes the Met is sacred. He would never it, do that. Exactly. So that, I, there's part of me that wants to see him just go nuts, but then it's like, huh, and he's well, not going to do of it. Going nuts. <laughs> speaking of going nuts, dude, did did was it just me or did Drew McIntyre beat Walter in a chop off? Was am I wrong about that? Like, did Drew McIntyre out chop Walter? Yeah. And and what, wow. <laughs> and, and that also was, Braun Strowman no sold the chop, the Walter chop. By the way, did you notice that one? I did. But it, look, it, look, it didn't look like he no-sold it. He, he kind of no-sold it, but it definitely you could tell like in, in real life he kind of was like, hmm. Like, felt that. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> didn't like that. <laughs> didn't like that very much. Uh, but Okay, so let's talk about Braun Strowman. Damian Priest got tossed out like trash, too. They really didn't use him at all other than he looks cool. Yep. But Braun Strowman, let's talk about him. Because he got counted out in a Survivor Series match. Counted out. Counted out. In Half a match, the match by the way. was done out the outside of the ring. Yes. <laughs> later, later on, we had Keith Lee and Seth Rollins outside the ring for like two minutes, and it was fine. What was the logic here? To I mean, yes, I have no did it, idea. Did it, did it protect Braun, even though it created a huge plot hole? Like, was that was that the best way to eliminate Braun? Like, well, I, can you argue with how he was eliminated here? Was there a better way to eliminate him? Was there a better? I don't know. I don't know if there's a better way to eliminate him. Maybe not eliminate him. Maybe look. Maybe not make him look like a complete chump. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sitting. I I still want to understand. I think I, I even tweeted out yesterday. I still need to understand how Braun Strowman got counted out last night. What is that all about? How, I don't how know, did but you? I'm asking you. Come on, John Cone. What What are you doing? How are you counting out somebody in a triple threat Survivor Series match? Yeah. That was I, I'm never going to understand the logic there, except for the fact that they had to get Braun out somehow while protecting him, and they did. So from that, st- but it still it didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. But uh, I get why they did it. But at least have some continuity, make sense of it somehow here, guys. Yeah. Overall, though, let's call a spade a spade. The final three NXT guys: Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, and Keith Lee. They got some good looks. Matt Riddle got to pin Randy Orton. Let me say that again. Get to pin Randy Orton. Tommaso Ciampa got to pin Seth Rollins. My God. That's some good looks. That's some doink. And not only that, let's end with our boy, Keith Lee, getting probably the best look of the night for someone from NXT. Like, I'm, even I'm not going to lie. I choked up. Even, even, uh, legit. I was, I'm being I was, dead I, serious right now. I'm no kayfabe, nothing. I'm no fake. I am. Dead serious. Your boy, yeah. I was just, mm, boy on the big stage. Look yeah. at him. He's getting all that shit. He's with Roman Reigns. Oh, my God. Keith Lee. I was, yeah. And I was even two. doing the, Keith Lee. Keith, PWG style. <laughs> Got final two, Keith Lee and Roman Reigns. Like, that's that's definitely, that's a big wow. Would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. Coming for clipped. Um, I figured Roman was going to be one of the final two. Roman did eliminate of Corbin off of his own team. <laughs> I don't know. You can pin your guy on your own team. More well, you WWE can miss logic. your teammate as well on the women's match. So whatever. I, whatever. Okay. So that <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So this was that, the year that, of that team betrayals, happened. I guess. That happened. But whatever. So okay. Roman pins Corbin. He's gone. We're down to Roman and Keith Lee at the end. Um, I was I was at this point too upset at my Pickham's numbers to get verklempt about Keith Lee, but I was. Very proud and very excited for the. You were already that plenty reclipped. 
I was I was pretty wasted by this point. Oh yeah. But uh, as you can imagine, so I was just kind of sitting there going, uh, Keith Lee, Roman Reigns. Oh, this is weird. Uh, but yeah, but it was also very special. And Keith Lee, my God, thank God they had this in Chicago because they all knew to cheer, to cheer for Keith Lee and how to. And I think anyone watching this had to be like, holy crap, this Keith Lee guy. Is he a made man? Because the reports Done. are that Vince, Vince loves him and Matt Riddle. Done. That's the, that's the quote-unquote reports. Um, I can't see any other thing but that he's a made man if – because Vince had the final say on this. And Vince put him last with Roman Reigns and had him look good against Roman Reigns, get a 2.999 count on Roman with the spirit bomb power bomb. Now I'm calling and, shenanigans on that count. That was There were three – Hits on that. <laughs> it was a three. Mm. Hashtag my wrestling. It's still real to Nick. But and then at the end, you know, he takes the spear from Roman Reigns, gets one, two, three, and he Lull gets Roman the, wins. Uh, you know, of course, of course he did. This is why I got this one right. Right, it's, it's why Reigns. we picked SmackDown. <laughs> Roman Reigns. Yeah. Uh, but that, but then Roman gives him the fist bump of honor. Like gives him, gives him the nod, and gives him the, you know. Hey, you're a made man. Like, good lord, that's a that's a huge moment. That's a huge moment. Yeah. So, let's I'll take a moment and just bask in the glory. Oh, bask in his glory. Uh, all right. Now, however, Nick, we have to we have to take it back down from the from the highest highs to the lowest lows. Ray Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Um, how I wish I had found the clip right from last week, from Saturday's show, oh, actually, no. when we were doing our pickums. But I think I remember it enough to just quote it. What I said: It's going to last about eight minutes. Ray's going to get a lot of offense in because it's no holds barred, and it's going to be one f five and one two three. Brock's still the champion. Shy of a minute. That's about yeah. exactly what happened. <laughs> I'm actually I'm kicking. I did actually say that. I thought I was going to be wrong about this. I, I said it was um, it w- it went from ninety percent Brock's going to win to seventy percent Brock's going to win because of the no holds barred. Uh, yeah. Hold on, <clears throat> no holds barred. You don't uh, know. Stipulation. Uh, apparently, I didn't know Nick because here we are once again with the Brock Lesnar match. As you said, it was eight minutes thirty seconds with introductions. Eight minutes thirty six with introductions. Uh, I said it was going to be eight minutes thirty in the match. Bell to bell. It actually was six minutes fifty four seconds. Bell to bell. Uh, lots of action early on. Brock ended up taking the the uh, the metal bat away for, or the pipe or whatever away from Ray, and then um, ultimately Ray gets it back. Dominic gets involved. We have a father son six one nine father son frog splash onto Brock. Brock pops back up. F five one two three. Brock is still your champ. Yay! I I felt completely insulted by this. I just I this. I was already pissed off at this show, and and honestly, like even if I had picked Brock here, which I probably should have, because I should I, I should know better by now. And they keep sucking me back in, and I get more and more insulted and more and more pissed every time they give me a Brock Lesnar match, which is hey, let's give you let's give you that hope, and then let's just kick you right in the nuts. Uh, or the first, I'll kick you in the nuts, and then as hard as I can, then you kick me in the nuts, and whoever left, it's Rochambeau. Yeah, except I would I would love to kick Vince in the nuts for this because this is some absolute <laughs> bullshit, and, and I've used up my f bombs for the year. Yeah, no more on of those. the on 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 the hell in the cell match, which was the biggest piece of garbage that happened all year. But but this 
is up there. And I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick to death of this crap. I'm sick of Brock Lesnar matches. I'm, and, and frankly, this was particularly garbage because it, and the crowd was super hyped too. They, damn it, we all played right into Vince's hands. We all got excited for Rey Mysterio because, man, it really looked like he had him. It really did. And that's exactly what Vince wanted. That's exactly how this match was booked. And it's actually, it's very telling that Ray came out in a mask that was either the Joker or Doink the Clown, it's depending doink. on who you ask for. It's doink. Because he had to feel like a complete clown coming out there for this match. Because I would have felt like a clown if I was told this is how I was going to get booked. After everything that they built up for this match, hey, father, son, familia, yeah, hey, go out there and put over Brock. He's going to squash you in six minutes and 56 seconds. Screw you, dude. Seriously, like just... Yeah, this this is the bottom of the barrel for me as far as WWE goes and its booking. And yeah, I've got that whole like fanboy markery anger shit going on right now because yeah, he hooked me, he reeled me in, he suckered me in, and I, it's one of those things where it's we you keep knew this, better than this though, sir. I Ian Dangerous, know, and that's what makes <laughs> me particularly mad is I'm mad at myself for getting suckered in again. Oh, it's like fool me once, fool me twice. This is this is the. Ugh. It's it's this is the shit that I can't stand about it. Like you suckered me in again, and it's gonna make me care so much less the next time. Oh, and I oh keep I'm way that. past that. It's been three years of this shit now. So I'm I need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we gotta wrap this up and get on so we can talk about the next God, show. Damn um, it! And you picked and I did not feel like a fool. Yeah, I mean it. Does. It's an abusive relationship, Nick. I feel like I keep coming back to Vince. And he keeps telling me he's not going to hit me again. And then he hits me again. I'm like, but I still love him. <laughs> so, okay. We, so let's take a minute here and play the, the, the hypothetical Mysterio wins. Then no, what? I'm done. No, I'm done playing the hypothetical. All right. He didn't win. He, it's Brock again. He, Brock's going to have a nice two-month holiday vacation. We're not going to see the title for two months. Freaking yay. Cool. Great product, Vince. Mm. Let's move on and talk about his massive main event, which the crowd was so hyped for. Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler versus Bailey. Boy, this blew the top off the place. Oh, not. wait, there was more left? Yeah. This of should course. not, not Why? have ended the show. Why did you do this? You had, Why, Why do you do this for? the show, Keith Lee and Roman Reigns fist bumping? Were they afraid Roman Reigns was going to get booed? We're past that. No, I know. Let's close out with, with uh, Brock Lesnar let's, murdering let's Rey Mysterio again to go out to a series. No, let's not do that one. Let's put yeah. a match at the end that'll be so dead and neutral that nobody will either be able to boo or cheer. Yeah, let's, let's do it that way. Let's kick the crowd in the nuts <laughs> with the Brock Lesnar-Rey Lesnar match, Rock, Brock Lesnar-Rey Mysterio match, where we, we pull the rug out from under them, we make them hope, and then we kick them in the nuts. Oh, you guys thought you were going to get something really cool? Screw you. Here's your final match, and it's going to be Bailey, Becky, and and Shayna, and it's going to be a slow slog of a match with Shayna doing a lot of her her very slow, methodical moves. Bailey in there being completely irrelevant. Becky Lynch ultimately not being part of the finish, and Shayna tapping out Bailey, proving once again that Bailey is irrelevant. She is, in fact, an afterthought. Dakota Kai, what? Underscored. Oh, get over! Come on, Nick. I'm just saying. You're absolutely ridiculous. Talk you to me in a month when she's doing the, in the exactly same, exact same spot. Oh, I will. Spot. I'm going to call back to this moment when Dakota right. Kai is your Episode new favorite 178. heel on Remember NXT. That, on NXT, and she, they're doing great things with her, okay. and Bailey's still a shitty heel right. on the main roster, coming out looking like Cleopatra on heroin. She's going to be Give another goon point. right next to Jessica Manduke and Marina Shafir. Oh, my God. Uh, 
this is where your Nick booking goes completely off. Yep. Okay. So this, why was, and then the, the, the finish to the whole thing was Shayna tapping out uh, Bailey and then Becky beating up Shayna, putting her through a table or onto a table and standing tall to end the show. Uh, absolutely bizarre way to end the show. <laughs> yeah, I have no other words for it. Um, other than they're trying to have Bailey get the, uh, the main event, all four of their main shows as some sort of, you know, women's evolution thing. I'm guessing it was the only reason I can think why they would have this on last. The only reason I could think. Some kind of first ever achievement. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's about the only sense I can make of it. Um, to, are we, to, are we, to check that box. Are we seeing a Becky and Shayna match at WrestleMania that they're going to try to build for? Is that why they end it this way? Maybe. I mean, because we, we, really, you know, we, we got five, we got six more months of Shayna Baszler as NXT Women's Champion. You got some time to take the belt off of her and then get her on the main roster and have her start up something with her goons, with Becky. You know, get let Becky get through her tag team phase here. Let's face it, Shayna Becky was the most intriguing thing about this match. And the more they tried to build Bailey into this, as much as they ended up being somewhat effective with that, it was completely gutted by this match itself. It it was totally made irrelevant by the fact that at the end of this, Bailey tapped out to Shayna. And yeah, Bailey who gives a crap about Bailey? It was basically what I what I learned from the end of the match. Why yep. should we give a crap about Billy? Uh, and, and frankly, I, I I thought the whole I, I didn't like Shayna's performance here either. If I can be a little cr- critical, it was just a constant thing of trying to get somebody into the Kira Fuji clutch. There, there yeah. wasn't a lot of wrestling. There wasn't a lot of story being told during this match. It was just, oh, who can I get in the Kirifuda clutch next and hold an arrest hold while I catch my breath? Yeah, <laughs> it is the problem with the main roster booking is if you have someone as a submission hold, and Joe has the same problem, is that they're always trying good to get point. them to go to sleep as opposed to actually... Shayna can work a really good, well, ugly, methodical match where she takes apart people's body parts and looks really vicious. Yeah, but Joe's Her got Siguri's, Uranagi's. He's got all kinds of other stuff that he can do. Shayna has some flashy stuff, too. We've seen it in her matches before against Bianca Belair, against Io Shirai. We've seen her pull out some flashier stuff. She can do that, but her matches are grind matches. They're about yeah. grinding down her opponent. And the problem is in this triple threat, they took away a lot of her more exciting stuff and made her just, as you said, go for one or two of these grinding moves and her tap-out maneuver. And that made it a lot less exciting. This, so this felt was completely flat after a pretty baller show. I got to be honest. I, I really enjoyed Survivor Series this year, this of just kind of just did. dud, just right at the end of the show. Of and I, what? Am, 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 I don't want to complain too much because in previous years we've had things like the Triple H interference uh, at the yeah, end, and made no sense. It just yeah. made no sense. And we had the shit happen last year with Becky getting punched in the face by Nia and ruining the the build with Ronda. There was just there, it doesn't. This was the, one of the first years I one can remember. One of the best things to happen in the last few. What? Okay, right. Hang on. Let me get my my, my punchline out. So the <laughs> this was one of the first Survivor Series that felt like legit, and it was the first time that NXT got brought into the fold. And now we have Very three exciting. legit brands and all that. Like, oh my god, it's so much. Put the win and the pickums aside. I had a blast watching this show, and it, even the way that things shook out. But when we got to that last match, I, I kept going. When are we going to get the women's triple threat? When are we going to get the women's triple threat? Oh my, why are they doing the men's Survivor Series match right now? What? What? Oh, no, oh, God, we're going to have Brock close out the show squashing Rey Mysterio, aren't we? Oh, wait, wait no, we're... Oh, my God, they're going to do the women's triple threat as the main event? and I just, That yeah. was my thought process through the whole thing. When I saw Brock and Rey come out after the men's Survivor Series and I realized the women's triple threat was going to be the main event, I immediately went, oh, no, they're going to squash Rey. 
Yep. Because if Brock and Ray had gone on last and Ray had won Boom. to close the show, the roof off the place, everyone goes home happy. Yeah. But no, F you, WWE. <laughs> and I would not go home, go home happy either. You did pick this, uh, pick up the win on this. You destroyed me, Nick. Seven to three. But I wasn't the your, only one. Your most monstrous victory. No, no, no. Let's talk about the pick. All right, let's finally. And uh, let's new talk about the pick Hold on. BWO Pick'em's champion, Brian Average. Oh, ho, 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 ho. A, yes. and, a, and a shout out to Bebosh as well. I'm I'm not gonna attempt to butcher your last name. Shreshtha. But you did anyway. But I did you, anyway. You butchered anyway. Look this one, much like SummerSlam, was picked by a tiebreaker at the time. Yes. All three of us. All three of us pick, had ended up with 31 total points, and uh-huh. the tiebreaker time came in at six minutes and 54 seconds. Brian had 8:37. Bebosh had 11 minutes flat. Brian is your new BWO patron pickums champion. Congratulations, champ! Enjoy your spoils and your reign. What 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 what, what time did you pick that you won the whole thing? Seven forty-five. Because I had yeah, said before on in. the show, uh, it was about the same amount the, in the other direction. Um, yeah, thereabouts. So yeah, I had said on the show it was going to be last about eight minutes. The yada 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 last uh, Saturday. So that's why I picked the time that I did. Just, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a solid pick. I picked 8:30, so you I, you would have beaten me in a tiebreaker had I been anywhere close to the top, but I was not. Your SummerSlam champion myself got absolutely destroyed. I was down there near the bottom of the heap with the patrons champion from SummerSlam. We did Andy a whole role reversal thing this between pay-per-views. Complete <laughs> and utter inversion. Absolutely insane. I ended up edging out uh Mr. Jessup also through a tiebreaker, ironically the same way that I won Survivor SummerSlam. So we we still have our little beef, Mr. Jessup and I, as yeah. far as uh, who can pick the more accurate time. Apparently the only thing that we got uh, halfway decent. However, we were not the last ones, Nick. We were not the lowest score of the whole thing. Close. I owe a lot of people some of those BWO prizes. A lot of people are getting me with some googly eyes. However, there is one person who was below us, Oof. and I can only imagine it was because he was absolutely devastated and psyched out by the, the promo that I cut on him in, on our uh, mailbag episode this last week. Yeah. But Abraham Castillo came in dead last. He will be getting our BWO booby prize, which I happen to have right here, oh. and I will actually be uh, uh, making, quote-unquote, after the show here today. Uh, I will introduce you to the booby prize here if you're watching us live on YouTube, which you should be. <laughs> Uh, YouTube.com forward slash busted wide open or BWO. Uh, this will this is I'm holding in my hand is a Roman Reigns plushie. This plushie will be given to uh, to my pet pit bull dog Ziggler, and Ziggler will have his way with this, uh, proving who the true big dog is before sending this off. Uh, signing this, you and I will sign this and send this off yes. to Mr. Abraham Castillo, uh, metaphorically showing him what his score looked like. In the form of a destroyed Roman Reigns plushie doll. Oh, it, it was so, bad, like bad, bad. <laughs> it was very fugly for the three of us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so congratulations, sir. You did pick up the win on this one. Uh, once again, proving that the solstice does come once a year here on BWL. We'll see you and Andy back at uh, uh, Royal Rumble after you go off Royal for three Rumble. months and get repackaged. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to come back as a full-on heel, I'm telling you right now. That being said, it was very fun uh, 
more or less. I more fun for you than it was for me. <laughs> I was I'm mostly sure. going, "Oh my god, really? Okay." <laughs> Throughout the whole show, uh, I, I the, several of these I did not expect, even though I picked them. And that's the fun of doing my crazy picks the way that I pick it. Is a lot of times I'm doing stuff because that would be fun to see if that were were to really happen. But when lightning strikes and it does actually happen the way that my crazy ass puts it together in my head, it's kind of this weird thing where I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Whereas when, when Nick booking actually happens in the real world, it makes me absolutely goddamn insane. Absolutely insane. Which had, is why I'm still so ramped up today. Had Dominic come out in a luchador mask, would you have okay, lost your Nick, mind? I, I don't even want to think about it, Nick, and we have to end this show now. That's all, ladies and gentlemen. We have another show coming up after this. So if you're on your YouTube and watching us live, stick around because we got to talk about Raw and New Japan. We'll be doing that show next, Nick. Uh, I'm glad you had a fun Survivor yes. Series, Nick. Glad I had a very fun takeover War Games. It was an entertaining weekend of wrestling all around. WWE put on two very entertaining shows for us. I'm glad to see some good product coming out of them. Uh, obviously inspired by some of the uh, but the fact that they now have to get good ratings on Fox and the fact they have competition in the form of AEW, it truly does breed the best kind of entertainment competition does. So, fantastic weekend, aside from, <clears throat> in my opinion, the results of the Survivor Series. Oh, Pick come on. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, Nick, let's, uh, let's close this out. Let's head over and talk about Monday Night Raw on the very next show. Everybody, come on back and yes. check us out there. Uh, Nick, if you want to lead us out, I'm going to go have some more of my, yes, my go, whiskey. My go drink some more of your... Your tears are delicious, by the way. I will continue <laughs> to drink them and enjoy how, how relish this victory. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining today and hanging out with us in the chat yeah. and another episode of the Busted Wide Open uh, podcast right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, throw a like on the videos that you enjoy, and uh, make sure you jingle that little bell to make sure that you get notified anytime we're going live, like immediately right after this, so don't go anywhere because we're going to fire up a brand new stream and talk about Monday Night Raw, at New Japan, etc., other things. So uh, you make sure you're in the Facebook discussion group. Uh, just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. You'll find us in there. Like our page and send us a join request. We'll get you in there where you'll find a link to our Discord community, which is a very buddy wrestling community of fans across all promotions where we have live chats throughout the week for every show, including dedicated channels for all pay-per-views across all brands. Keep, helps us keep the spoilers out of the Facebook group and more of the live chat and interactivity happening where it needs to be. So make sure you get into our Discord community. You can find links to that pinned to the top of all of our social media profiles. Uh, last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons, especially those of you, the 25 or so that participated in the net, in the Survivor Series BWO patron pickums. It was a lot of fun. We hope you guys had a blast. All of you are getting prizes because you all beat Surrey and Dangerous, except for Andy and Abraham because they cut so many promos they jinxed themselves <laughs> out of it. Actually, it was funny. Technically, I think the ex-champ champ, Andy Jessup, is the only person getting nothing. Oh, that's Everyone right. Else is getting something. <laughs> the only person getting Oh, nothing. no! <laughs> Andy burned his mask. Oh, oh. no, Andy. Oh, oh, God. We can't even send you a sticker. Oh, oh, my God. Well, guys, that is our show. Thank you so much for joining in. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And my name is Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me 
somewhere nursing my wounds on Twitter. It's Surrey and Dangerous. But my God! Somebody stop this show is mad. part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com